This episode of For the Love with Jen Hatmaker is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. They can be big, difficult, even scary life things, and also small inconveniences that add up day after day. The thing is, when we keep them all bottled up on the inside and just try to grin and bear it, it can start to affect us and the people around us negatively. We may even isolate ourselves, which makes it even worse. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. This was the case for me when I was at the highest stress level in my life, where the stress was even having physical consequences for me. Therapy was a huge part of my healing journey to learn how to manage the stress. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash for the love. You guys, how important is sleep temperature? It's everything to me. And this is where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Its mission is to elevate the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees. It's designed for one or two sleepers. So if your partner likes to sleep at a different temperature or you only need it for one side of the bed, it still works. I just put this on top of my existing mattress and voila. So whether you're dealing with night sweats or simply seeking a better night's rest, Chili Pad is here to transform your existing mattress into a sanctuary of cool, relief, and comfort. Visit www.sleep.me slash FTL to get your Chili Pad and save up to $315 with code FTL. This offer is exclusively available for the love listeners, only for a limited time. So order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with your sleep trial. So visit www.sleep, that's S-L-E-E-P, dot M-E slash F-T-L, because every woman deserves to wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day ahead. Hey everybody, Jen Hatmaker here. I am your host of the For the Love podcast, and I have two special men with me today, and you're one of them. I am. Hi. Special. Thanks for saying that. You are special. Tyler is with me today. We are on a little trip, and this incredible, super, super, super fun interview was scheduled. I'm like, this is your genre in more than one way. Like, pop in with me. So thank you for sitting in with me on this interview, which you guys are going to love. You're going to love this whole hour. I was thinking, let's get 30 minutes and then we just take a whole hour. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. I know. You guys, this is a fun series. It's called For the Love of Funny. You know me. I love comedy. I, I worship it. These are my muses. These are my mentors. And so I've always, I kind of grew up in a funny family. So we've, always loved collectively funny movies and funny shows and funny people. And we all think we're funny. Like everybody, me and all my siblings think we're funny. My dad is legitimately funny. Legitimately funny. Yeah. 
And so this is just an area that I love. So we did a series on laughter just a few years back. We had some incredible comics. We had Kevin Nealon on SNL, like royalty. We had Angela Johnson, who is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite female comics. She just had a baby, by the way. So it's been a minute since we've like had a series on funny and funny people. So guess who we are kicking this series off with? You're going to be so excited. I know I was because on the show today is Nate Bargetsy. My dude, my dude. So I don't want to call Nate a rising star. He's 20 years in to the comedy world. So he's kind of had this steady rise, but man, he is, I don't even want to say peaking right now, but he is, his star is high in the sky. He's been doing comedy for so long, like the hard scrabble way, like comedy clubs and tours that are routed weird and just the whole circuit. And he's just built and built. He's built credibility. He has built up his content material. He has built up his audience and his fan base. And now he's just, it's just like he's everywhere. I can't go anywhere without seeing something about Nate. His first Netflix special came out in 2019 and it just exploded in popularity. And so he filmed another special that came out in 2021 and then a brand new special that just came out on Amazon prime, which we have watched. I've seen it four times. It is. That's great. It's so funny. He's so funny. Atlantic called Nate the nicest man in standup. He's kind of probably known for his, clean comedy. That was sort of his brand from the jump and he stuck with it all this time. And he developed pretty early. It's kind of fun to hear him talk like strangely and funny enough, his dad was a magician, (laughs) a Christian magician. So like he kind of grew up in showmanship and like performance and and you can kind of see some of this imprint on his work now. And so we're going to talk about everything. We're going to talk about his upbringing. We're going to talk about his parents and his family, how he sort of got his start in comedy, who he learned from and emulated, what it's like now. I mean, I don't want to oversell it, but like if you're talking about comics in the spotlight right now, we're talking about Nate. Wouldn't yeah, you say? Yeah, for sure. We're also going to talk about how he feels so blessed to be my best friend. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think that matters to him. He would want me to say this in the intro. I think you're... Okay. All right. So he's great, you guys. Outside of comedy, he's like a huge golfer. He loves sports. God, we didn't even talk about sports. We didn't didn't have time. We We didn't. Everything. No, we kept him on the hook for a whole hour. He hosts a podcast called Nate Land every week. And he's been everywhere. He's been on the Tonight Show with Fallon like over 10 times. He's performed for the troops overseas festivals and he's currently on the be funny tour and i'm just telling you look it up if he is anywhere near you you gotta go and you can thank me later he's funny he's smart he's humble it's nate you guys so welcome nate bargetsy to the show Okay, Nate, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, thank you. Hi. 
I've got two good men here with me today, which is unusual. So Tyler is joining me today to interview you, and we're pumped, man. I'm such a fan. Thank you. I'm excited too, yeah. I watched your show, your latest special, for the third time. In this exact room, but not on this exact couch with my best friends about four days ago. Two of us had seen it and two of us hadn't. And the two that hadn't were so out of control that we were like, y'all need to pull it together. <laughs> so either you stop laughing so hard or you're going to have to leave and we're going to finish it again. And so I want you to know that we are big Nate fans over in this half the world. I love that. I mean, that's the... The best thing to hear. I love it all. And I love that y'all get up to them for laughing that hard. I like that you threatened to be like, y'all are about to have to beat it. I love your work for a million reasons, but we have a lot in common. I grew up super Christian, so, like Southern Baptist. I, I think that's all the way on the, the, the right twig of the right limb of the right branch of the tree. And so when you talk about your like life growing up, I'm there. I'm there in my own memory. And so I'd like to start there. Can you tell us a little bit about your family growing up? And I, I'm really interested to hear you talk about your sort of comedy origin story. Like, were you just always funny? Or who did you love that was funny? Who were you watching? Who were you listening to? Were you allowed to watch comedians? Because I grew up on SNL. So that was my masterclass in terms of comedy and I still like worship SNL and all the like cast after cast. And so, okay. I have so like 10 questions that you just pick, you pick where you want to go there. Yeah. I grew up same way. Southern Baptist, you know, in Nashville and my parents were Catholic and then they moved to Nashville. So they were, and then they didn't become Baptist because who they moved with was Baptist. That was all the churches down here really. So yeah, we grew up, grew up like that. My dad's a magician, obviously I've talked about it before he would do shows at churches or just around. And sometimes I would help do the shows. You know, I mean, I don't think it was like anything. I, I don't think I ever like was like, oh, I'm about like, I'm doing this to become. I want to be, you know, a magician or a comedian or something. It was just like, I liked doing it. You know, as I was able to get people to laugh and stuff, high school and all that. And I think around high school is when I started like even a little bit more like thinking like, man, I'd like to do like stand up or, you know, and tell my friends I'd like to do it. And they would, you know, er I mean, everybody's pretty much supportive. Were they? Yeah. I, I have a theory. I don't think anybody really becomes unsupportive of something. I mean, in my circumstances, I now I wasn't, I couldn't get in a college or like there was nothing. I had no other, you know, <laughs> I wasn't like, I was like a doctor and then they're That's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like I had, you know, it was like, Whatever I was going to go do, it was like, it will be there the second you come back, whatever job you wanted. So I think people don't like tend to like not, when you say you want to do something, they're fine with you like going to start to do it. It's actually the people that tell you not to move on are the people that are in your field and they do that later because then they don't like, that's where you get most of your, I don't know if you can do that. Like you can't, it's, it's going to be people around you because they don't want you to pass them or try something that's outside of their thing. And so when my dad being a magician too, they were super, obviously my parents are super supportive. They were happy. And then I, uh, so I, when I decided I moved to Chicago first and then uh, went and did second city for like two years. 
And then, and when I was in Chicago, I mean, that's just 2000, I moved in 02 to 2003. And it was like Hannibal Burris was there, Starden, TJ Miller, Kumel Nagiani, Pete Holmes. Like it was just a bunch of people in Chicago and we were all doing like open mics, which is always crazy. It's crazy. Like it's the funnest part to see when you start, you know, and then you see where someone's at. Like, I mean, Kumel's a superstar. He's in like superhero movies. But it's like we were doing open mics 20 years ago. I remember even being young, being like, I can't wait to see what everybody's doing in 10 years. Like, because you're just like, it's kind of like high school, you know, you kind of start and then you're just like, well, where are we all going to be? You know, right. You're these like grimy dungeon, little comedy, like spaces and probably bombing some. Yeah, I mean, that's a learning curve. No one's, you're seeing people make it. Like I saw like Amy Schumer. There's a positive out of Chicago. I went to New York is you get to see people actually make it. And I, that's a very important thing to see when you're young. You need to see someone that was next to you doing an open mic, then become big. And so you're like, all right, well, I'm watching this happen. So if I, you, in theory, you just think if I keep working, but yeah, you would sit there and, you know, where I was with Amy Schumer, Aziz and sorry, Aziz and sorry was doing oh like open mics with us. <laughs> I didn't really know, I don't really know him super well, but like he was in the scene when I was doing it. He was doing open mics, and then it was like next thing you know, he like had a show on MTV, and then he was hosting the MTV Music Awards or whatever movie awards. You're like Aziz, you're like the guy that was just with us. Right. <laughs> and they just like boom, and they go, and you're like wow, and it's awesome, man. Let's deal with this fact. Anybody who's in Nashville who has ever done comedy, ever, has a Nate story right Mm. now. What do you mean? Give me an example. So I'll tell you. So there's a room, a spot that I used to do stand-up in called the East Room. And we we know a lot of the same people. Dusty Slay, a handful of people. And if talking about watching people go off and do things, Mm. everybody, like, when I started doing comedy in Nashville, it was like 2017, 2016. And people were watching Nate. They were watching you start to really move and like really make moves. In Nashville that period of time, you were already a deal to everybody here. At that point, Nate was had like had done good. So as you continue to blow up and get bigger and bigger and bigger, everybody's stories get bigger. Oh bigger. sure. Oh, one hundred percent. Like Nate's my first cousin. Uh, it, uh-huh. you know, so me, this is an honest to god story. Me, I think I started following you like on Facebook, like in probably mm. twenty eighteen. We became friends on Facebook. Twenty eighteen or two thousand eight. Twenty no twenty eighteen. Okay, so right. not too long. Okay, yeah. We became friends on Facebook. Sure. And because we have so many mutual friends, comedy, I was like, as soon as we came friends on Facebook, I told everybody, I was like, yeah, that's my dog. Man. <laughs> totally. I'm God, like, that's, that's the food. worst. Right there. And then you scored like a college commercial, I think. Remember that yeah. commercial? Like, Direct TV? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was for Direct TV. It was for a Direct okay. TV commercial. Yeah, it's like at where with the mascots. and Oh. oh. Yeah. Right. And it is insane. Mm watching you blow up you get to watch people like aziz you get to watch all of your people yeah but bro we get to watch you from nashville and it's insane yeah when you played bridgestone and packed it out more than anybody i love your your new bit about 
taking a chair home. (laughs) It was wildly emotional for those of us that live in this city, man, to watch you have a Nate takeover. The first time you were on Jimmy Fallon, all of us, we just lost, we all lost our shit. That's very sweet. And that's very nice to hear all that. And it is. And we do go back. I mean, that's why when we met, we can immediately, you, you, you jump 10 years in a relationship just because you're like, we've been doing the same thing the whole time. We haven't talked yet. But that, yeah, that means, uh, that, that's very, very nice to hear. Yeah, I, I mean, I love Nashville. I love the East Room. I love this scene here has gotten so much better and all that stuff. And yeah, it's very, yeah, it's cool. It, I, don't, I don't even know what to say, but it's cool to hear because it's, you know, you hope, you know, you never know, like, I still, you still like feel like I went down to the East Room. You're just everybody annoyed that I come down. Trying to, <laughs> you know, it's always like I'm sorry. I just need to go up I like quick. it here. But there's something about Nashville. I remember the first show I ever done on ABC was a show called Kevin Probably Saves the World. And the same night, Dusty Slay was on Jimmy Kimmel. So we were both on ABC on the same day. And even though it was on a TV show and it was on Jimmy Kimmel, there was something about feeling like Nashville folks were doing something sure, something special. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy, though. That is. Like, when you see, I mean, you got uh, James Austin Johnson, like, in SNL. In SNL! She's younger. That yeah, She's writing for SNL, I think. Uh, she was in Nashville. But it's like, yeah, I, I, I love all that stuff. That is crazy. I would that, That's insane to be like, Y'all both on ABC to Nashville Connect. I mean, and because all it does is just it's showing it's a great thing because it's showing people that they can move here and still get the recognition that, you know, outside of Nashville. And that's what, you know, I want that goal to be like eventually like people can just come here, move here instead of moving to New York or L.A. or something. And then they can they know that they can be seen and really have a chance here. Yeah, For sure. I'm interested in your process because you've talked about it being pretty important to you to make your parents laugh and also make them proud. So they're not going to like be here for all the, like the swearing and the filth. And so I've got a couple of questions around that. First of all, who were you emulating, especially like early on in your career? Who were you watching going? I like that rhythm. I like that timing. I like that content. I like that delivery. I can see early in my career a different genre entirely, but who I was emulating, I can tell by looking at my early work. I'm like, oh, I was doing a thing. And then I'd love to, so let's start there. And then I'll go to my second question. My timing, like with my dad, like is going to be a lot of my dad. I think, I don't think I ever purposely tried it. I just think it's in, you know, it's just my dad. It's like kind of in you that you just like, you just have something that he kind of has. As comedy, when I first started, as probably, it was Seinfeld. If I thought of a joke, it'd be in that kind of rhythm. And then when I started comedy is when it really happened. Because that's the that's the best part. Is the the reason I fell in you fall in love with this thing is because you go like I just know Seinfeld, that's what I watched Cosby at the time, you know, like it was like all these big people were the only people that were allowed to, that I could that were clean. I could watch Sinbad. Sinbad was one of the first specials at Frozen Bell Bottoms was the first special I was allowed to watch it was clean. So it's like you could watch these things and so you knew them. And then you think, well, that's that's basically the only comics I know is those. And then when you start, I remember my dad sent me Brian Regan's CD. Never oh, yeah. Heard. Yeah, yeah. And so then I was like, oh. I mean, I was like, oh, this is crazy. Like, you're like, how is this guy not the most famous person 
ever. Like that's, it was so funny. Then you moved to New York and it was, I saw this guy, Kurt Metzger, Big J Okerson was guys I kind of started with. And so like, they're so funny and they're just like been doing comedy two years longer than me and something. So you're like, this is crazy. Then I saw Bill Burr and Bill Burr is just doing clubs. It's really Burr and Patrice, Patrice O'Neill. So I was in New York and you're seeing them and these they're, they're probably 10 years in doing comedy. No one knows them really like we know them, but no one knows them. And you'd watch them and you're like, this is crazy, dude. Like, and then you're seeing Ch Chappelle would also come in, but you know, everybody knew Chappelle, but Patrice and Burr and watching them just be like, Burr was really finding his voice. They had an HBO one night stand. They taped the same year together. So then both running that and, being around that and just seeing, I mean, just like it's, I, I, I you know, Patrice probably would have been one with the best ever. He was just, it was, it was something just very, very different. Uh, and then Burr and they would just murder. Like I remember watching Bill Burr at Caroline's. We go, he would headline, you know, like half the room's full. And then the next year it was, they, Caroline's like, wouldn't let us come watch. Cause they, we were like, you got all that. And they're like, that's too bad. Like it was like too crazy. <laughs> like wow. So we go stand in the corner, and uh, but like seeing that's the stuff that I would catch myself. You know, Burr was a big one. People like Burr rocks on the mic stand. So it's like stuff like that where like you would see people just kind of sitting there, like kind of rocking on the mic stand, like him. You know, just influence. David Tell. David Tell was kind of the king of New York, and he would be someone that you'd have to like catch yourself from watching too much. Because mm, you start do, doing an, a version of it, yeah. yeah. And he, and that happened with. I have some videos. I sound like Big J Ogerson, like just the <laughs> yeah. old video. Just because we're all together and totally. you're around too much, so you're all just kind of doing your own thing. Funny, the old YouTube video I have on this show we're doing. Hannibal is hosting the show. It was like it was like that long ago. We're like Hannibal just got to New York and then he's hosting. It's a midnight show. I mean, it's that's crazy. Mm. I was addicted to Hannibal for a little bit there, man. Just because there was something about his ease, which you have too. I mean, as you know, you do jokes in rapid fire, in a rapid fire way that you have to laugh, kind of catch yourself, laugh again. And almost every single line can end up being a punchline, either based on your yeah. delivery or the way that you do it. I felt like Hannibal Burst was the same way. I grew up, my, which, what, was your, what was your top all time? What would you say is the top comedy special ever for you? Same oh. question to you too. Well, the one that was formative for me that I could probably quote from beginning to end is Eddie Murphy Raw. I mean, that was, I, I couldn't see that in my house, of course. I saw it at my friend's house who had HBO. We obviously right. did not. We had basic cable. Uh, your, your friends, your parents are like, I don't like you hanging out with them. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Mine was delirious. Mine was Eddie Murphy delirious. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, that, that maybe has something to do with our time too. Like there was the yeah. only ones that were available and they were secretive and you couldn't, you had to seek them out. I just had never, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could talk like that. I didn't know you could tell stories like that. I I, I must have watched that 75 times. But what's your What's your top one, Nate? I mean, I really remember. I want to say the first one was Afros and Bell Bottom. That's the one that I ads was the because I remember him talking about uh, going to McDonald's and ordering off the menu. And so it was like watching something that was like 
I go to McDonald's. Like I, I <laughs> yeah. that's what I do. You know, yeah. so it's 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 kind of TV that's just telling you about these things. And so Sinbad was a very big one. And then I read when I got in, I read a book. There was interviews with him and Sinbad, and like so that was the first one I remember sitting with my parents and like we could watch. And I would say Eddie Murphy. I mean, I'd never like I was a rule follower too. Like I didn't ever go search out stuff I wasn't supposed to watch. But I watched Eddie Murphy and stuff later. He's one that's like with Raw Delirious is it's so crazy that he wrote that at that age. That's what's the craziest thing. Cause that's like an adult. That's like a, a like he should be 40. He should be 20. And it's so wild. And when I did watch them, and you're just like, this is crazy, dude. Like, and you and you can think back of going like, all right, you think about the time that he is, how big he is, and the stuff he's doing. I mean, you know, I mean, that's why he had to quit. It's like you just get so big. Steve Martin, they say you're just like, what are you going to do? Like, you can't. You're just too big. Like, it's it's when you go out, it's just it's a party. It's not. It's hard to do comedy in that setting. Have you ever seen there's clips of him at comic strip doing like the ice cream bit and all that? On yeah. YouTube? It's pretty fun. Cause you like, that's the stuff that you don't as a comic, you're like, where'd you run this? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 exactly. Danny Murphy just feels like he just was like, I'm going to do a special and they go, okay. And he goes, I'll yeah. do it right now. And yeah, then he's, exactly. that's what it feels like. Cause you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, workshop that. And I remember talking to rock about it, like being like, would y'all go like in Eddie, like, cause Eddie did have, some you know doing some weird one-nighters and he i mean he did all that stuff he was very young when he blew up but yeah very neat to see him do those those bits the ice cream bit all that stuff in such a smaller you know in a club setting like an east room setting where it's like this tiny thing and then all we really know it from is this big thing yeah man i want to ask you a question about you specifically in your comedy because you made a i want to even say it was a bit that you wrote once and the the bit that you said I remember hearing it and hearing the actual truth behind it. It was after at yelled, by, yelled at by a clown. You did that material for quite some time. It started to blow up. And there, you know, then you had your second big release. I think, was it 2019? Yeah. yeah. Oh, like, Netflix or Comedy Central? No, for your, your C, I'm talking about your CD release. Your, your, oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. That's the hard part of that is, too, is actually with that beginning, that yelled at by a clown. is like, because you have this material. That's why your first, my first hour special was full time magic on Comedy Central. Oh god, and, dude! And that's full time magic. It's it. I know because they tie. There's layover there between those two. Yeah, I know. I think that's where you're going. But there's layover. And I, I tell young comics that too. Like I do have layover because you're like, dude. At that point, no one listened to Yell at by a Clown. In the grand scheme of things, who am I to go? Like, yeah, my the, the the Comedy Central special is my biggest shot at the moment. There might be, it's like Tyler and my parents that have listened to you. <laughs> I could just call both of them and be like, are y'all cool if I use some of this material? <laughs> it's, uh, sometimes you think, well, I got to get new stuff. You're like, when you're at the beginning, it's like, until you get like, you know, a big special or, or if you're out, if your album goes crazy, you know, my album went more crazy after in the afterwards. And so it's like, you just kind of got to be like, just put everything on. And that's why your first specials are usually the ones you remember the most. And like, it's a very fun ones for you because you've had this material for 10 years, like, and you really get to work on it and all that stuff. And then you, and then after that is when you got to switch. And like, once I went to Netflix was after the standups, the 30 minute one, I remember the weekend after it came out, 
I was in Tacoma, I think. It's where I came up with a dead horse story happened this this weekend. And I remember people came and then I started doing some of my jokes from the half hour, the stand ups. And then I was like, and then I was like, wait, have y'all heard this? And they go, yeah, yeah, we're here because of you. And like, and it was like, I've never had that. You're like, oh, oh, like, you're like, <laughs> uh, oh, damn. you're like, oh, people are here. Like, they know who you are now. It's not like you're just at a club and, you know, no one really knows. And so in that moment, you're like, oh, I have to come up with new material. Which becomes and, uh, another challenge in itself. And there are some comics who you are like, you find yourself going, do that one bit, right? But then most comics that you, especially with the style that you have, we're leaning on the new material. Yeah. We're waiting to hear something new. You have some people that you're like, you know. Yeah, play do, the old hits. Play the old hits. Yeah. But... I think especially with you, because you've become popular during a time where we can just sit and watch your stuff on rotation. Right. We can just watch it over and over and over again. So when we go and see you live, we feel like we know it. You, you know it. So you have this continual pressure to do new material. Yeah. How often now are you as a comic writing or partnering with other people? Or do you partner much to write with folks? No, I just do it myself. I mean, I'll, like you talk, I have comics on the road and like, you know, I'll do my same set every night. We're talking about, you know, it's like, you know, like when you sit back at a club and you're just comics hanging out, like you're, you can talk about like, hey, I, I thought of this. Is this funny? And like, yeah, that's funny. And then do this. You know, it's hard to sometimes take jokes from people, like not take jokes, but like if someone gives you an idea. Like sometimes it can be very funny, but you're like, I can't. You just can't say it. Like you're like, I don't know why. It's just not. And your boy, you know, sometimes you can, sometimes you get lucky and like someone gives you like a word, you're like, all right, I can fit that in. And sometimes you're like, dude, I wish I could, but I I'm just confidently I can't, like, I don't know, it just doesn't fit right. And I, I'm not gonna get it out in the funny way. But I mean, now it's like when you come out, it's like writing, you gotta write every day. I mean, I, I don't ever sit down and write, but it's like I think about it 24 hours a day. So like it's in my mind. And if I'm thinking on a joke, what I've been doing this time around, which I've found that like I had the word old timey kind of stuck in my head. And so I was thinking about like I I'm working on a, a joke and idea of just just like old, like there's still a lot of like we grew up in very still old timey ways. Like it was pre-internet. Pre you grew up in very old timey ways to how my eleven year old daughter is gonna grow up. So and just I saw so, so I just think of that word a lot and then when you walk around you're just thinking about just like kind of looking at stuff just seeing if you see any i don't know stuff that fits into what i'm talking about or like what right something you can pin to the board yeah and it's and you kind of think of it piece by piece and you're like oh this little thing would work there and I, that works there and because after this last hour it's like i'm kind of like all right i do got to figure a way to you know, you kind of just go off like I'll just the panic of needing new material. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'll just do it. You're like, I don't know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You're done with, you know, writing a book like you're just, it's just adrenaline. It's just it. they've paid me to do it already. And I, I guess now I have to do it. So, yeah, like sheer panic can actually be a good like producer for sure. And, um, your best and I can tell you, no one knows how to do what they're doing. That's what I also, I think no one, anybody writes a book, anybody does it, yeah. like, no, 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 no. no, it's a sham. Smoke and mirrors. 
you're 100% right. And I'm curious because now you're a big deal. So where are you, where do you workshop your material now? Because you got to try it out in front of people because that's where you find the holes and that's where you find the missing pieces and the parts that don't work and the parts that do. So do you have this kind of lowbrow circuit you're still like hooking into to kind of practice and work it out and like fine tune your material? Yeah, like it's weird did that Brad Paisley thing. I mean, that was a random thing, but that that was like great because yeah, I needed to, like, yeah, I needed, I was like, all right, I can go up and I knew I could kind of do whatever I like time-wise, like not a ton. They had a lot of people on the show, but it was like, I could do 20 minutes and it wouldn't be a problem. Like you find little moments like that. Like, I mean, I'm going this Thursday. I don't know when this comes out, but it's like two days from now, I'm going to go. My buddy, Justin Smith is doing uh, a show at Zany's and I'm going to go. So I'm going to pop on that because I'm going to Australia Saturday and like I and I've been a little off. So like I haven't had to really do comedy just here and there. So I'm like, I need to kind of get on stage and like just say these words again before I go to Australia for our represent America. And, sure. over- <laughs> and they're going to be like, this is the comedy y'all got. And you're like, I'm sorry, everybody. It's much better than this. You know, it's like so you just do stuff like that. I do want to go around some of the Nashville scenes. I've gone to the East Room because that's the only one I really remember. But I know there's some other good rooms. And yeah. Zany's does a great new material night on Monday. So you can pop on there. But you have to be careful. It's like stuff that you can't really have your name out because that, I mean, that's a whole new world. It's like you just can't, you can't put your name out and on it. So you just kind of sneak on and pop in and just say it. But I do a lot of it on the road too. I mean, I'm doing shows every weekend. So you're you're constantly just like adding, you know, adding all this stuff in. Somewhere in the midst of that work, you something shift, happens. something happens yeah. from being just like a guy who's doing work or a woman who's doing work. And then suddenly you are just known. You are bigger than you thought you could imagine. You walk places and people go, there's yeah. Nate. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a moment when that switched for you? Yeah, it's it's always like a slow. Um, my career's always been kind of like a slower. Like it have it's all gradually going, which I'm really fortunate to w- work it that way. I think it's much harder. I always would say, I've, I would always say, you either make it at twenty or forty, and no one makes it in the middle. And like you either, either get lucky and like get grabbed right up, or you have to go grind it out. And that was then, true for me too. Yeah. And the growing out is the better way. But I mean, no one's going to say no to you getting grabbed at 20. So that's what you hope. But then you, when you end up, you're, you are able to, like, I don't know, handle everything a little better just because you're older and you're, you know, how long you can appreciate it more because you set in all these times that you're nobody. And you're uh, better at it, frankly. I mean, you are. All those years are so useful. They they grow us up. So we're better by the time we're older. And it's it's one yeah. of the greatest things. That It's the most important thing you could have. But uh, yeah, like, so you remember, I remember it's like getting ready. I remember one time we went to like an escape room with my family and someone there asked to take a picture. And my sister was like, you want a picture of him? And like, it like makes it, it's like funny, but it makes it very, then they're like, oh, I thought, you know, they, everybody knows me. And then my sister's like, you know who he is. Yeah, totally. And you know who he is. And then you'd have stuff like that or your friends or like, 
my friends, uh, like a lot of times someone comes up to you in the street or somewhere and then they're like, do you know that guy? And you're like, I don't know that guy. I don't know. They know who I, I don't know. what to, I don't know everybody. My friends do that now just to be funny to me. They're like, you know, that guy. You have an imposter feeling. It's hard to you're like, why are they here? Even if it's they're there for you, you think they're there for someone else. Even when I did Bridgestone, you're like, I don't know why. The, how how are these people here? And more so, like I've been to, like you go to Canada, and you're like, how do you know who oh, I am? Yeah. Like, how would you ever know? Be in this room that is me, and like so. But I think it's a good thing because it makes you then go, I gotta be. I like you're like I gotta impress these people. These people from another country, man. Like I have like it's like I gotta do good. I, I cannot, I, I don't understand, you know, you never really wrap your head around it. It's hard to wrap your head around it when you're in it. I have to ask you this, your style, getting back to comedy, your style, Nate, and I hate you for it because mm -hmm. Dave Chappelle can't even pull it off, although he's doing it, he's doing kind of a shtick. You are so damn funny, yeah. but your delivery is yeah. so straight yeah. as if, None of this is humorous to you yeah, at all. It's my favorite. And like, like it's just not funny to you at all. You're just saying the facts. Yeah. When are you laughing at you? Because you have to, right? Like, you know, I don't know if I ever laugh, but I, I, I'll think like, man, that's funny. I talk about the jokes sometimes, like they're almost not like I had nothing to do with them. Like you'd be like, that was a good joke. Like, yeah, that, like, I'll listen. Like sometimes I'll be serious, like hear your old stuff on serious radio. And then you're hearing an old joke, and I'm like, a oh, pretty good joke. Oh, that was a good joke. Like, yeah. But you're almost talking about it outside of, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like you really get your, you know, your head blows up because of it, but you just are like, it's a pretty solid joke, though, <laughs> you know? And so uh, you just do it, you do it that way. I, the only time I laugh on stage, like, I'll laugh if I hear someone laughing. You do it occasionally. I do it occasionally. Yeah. And then, uh, and it's, and, and, if I hear someone really, really laughing, that can make you laugh because you can't like it's like really laughing. I kind of think of it like a movie, like you know, like when you watch a movie, a comedy movie, they're not laughing in it, and so you, you kind of it's like that kind of they're delivering it. You know, you need to deliver it with like the. Can you believe this is happening to me? And like you want to be the kind of actor in the movie that's like, you know, and I always look at everything. They can laugh at me or with me. Like it doesn't really matter either way. It's still a laugh. Still a laugh. That's all you try. I'd have been the person that made you laugh if I was in the audience of your latest special when you do the bit about the firstborn versus the youngest. I could not even handle. I'm the oldest of four of Southern Baptists. And the the whole bit is so hilarious. I could repeat it word for word. I'm like, I have five kids, which is irresponsible at best. And I just like my oldest son, what he got to do in the summer was go to free vacation Bible schools, as many as I could find. And my youngest kid right this second, as we are speaking on this podcast, is on a four week travel summer camp through the Western United States. I'm like, she just got a different life. She got a totally different life than the first one. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. We were poor. And it's like they're in two different families. Real life is the best of old material. It's what you said earlier, like when Sinbad's talking about McDonald's and you're like, I know about that. That is the thing that I know about. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's my first introduction to Tom was like, is that relatability? Yeah, it is. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Guys, it's already allergy season in Texas. My yard is in full bloom and all the things are in the air. So I decided allergies will not win this year. So I tried Astapro. It has improved my nasal allergy symptoms and it's faster, bro. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. So get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go, you guys, today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Did you know more than 75% of Americans experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% seek out a solution for that pain? Your feet don't have to hurt. So let me tell you about Superfeet. Superfeet has a wide range of insoles for every activity, every shoe, and every foot. From cushioned and flexible to firm and supportive, you can dial in your fit by taking their quick quiz online. Answer just a few short questions and Superfeet will recommend the best insole choice for you. Foot biomechanics may be complex, but solving foot pain should be simple. So when you add the signature orthotic shape of Superfeet insoles to your shoes, you give your feet comfort and support where they need it most, helping redistribute forces to reduce stress and strain on your entire body, not just your feet. When your feet feel good, so do you. Your foot health is an important part of your overall well-being. Visit superfeet.com and enter the promo code FTL at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. I want to ask you this because of that. So you've obviously got a daughter. She's 11. Is she 11? Just turned 11. Yeah. Just turned 11 and you have a wife. So because they live with you in your home, that means they are a part of your material. And I am a writer, but also a speaker. And all the people that live with me in the past and currently are also part of my material. And it's a tricky little line to walk when you are telling funny bits about their shenanigans. And so I'd love to hear how you work that out. Because we had to figure out some internal family rules, especially as the kids got older. And they're not interested in me talking about their like teen drama to thousands of people so how does this work for you do you get in trouble sometimes you always gotta show love so the first the, the the first thing is like the love has to be shown people i remember when i first started doing jokes on my wife it, it, it i didn't know how to do that and it would come off like well why are you married and you're like well that's not that's not what you're supposed to be taking from this so you have it was like i love to like you gotta have a balance of like i need to be the bad one as much as i can if I want to have her be anything that is annoying, like there has to be some kind of balance. My daughter lately, I've been like trying not to like do too much. Like it's, if I do anything, it's kind of, cause I, I remember I did, I, when I talked about her sleeping in the bed with us for a long time, it's like, she's old enough to then be like, you know, our friends, like you sleep in your parents' bed and like, then you're like, all right, like, you know, not, she does it now, but it's, you know, you stuff stuff, you're like, all right, well, I don't want to, put everything out. So you kind of 
Like, I mean, I have a story now that I could, that's a great story, but I, I just can't tell it yet. Like it's, I need her to be older and understand like why I would be telling it or like that or just the, how funny the situation of it is. And my daughter, our daughter's got a great sense of humor, but it's, you know, you don't want her, you don't want them to be the butt of every joke or any, so if I can be the, you know, the dumb one, like going to the, not knowing the bus, you know, she's on or like, it's like, I, I, I can just be in this situation can be dealing with a kid. So I, now with that, I think a lot, I, I don't know if I go, I have a ton on her just cause I'm trying to just lay off. She's 11 from what I've heard girls. It gets, it gets kind of wild right about. Yeah. And on. You're not wrong. The Intel's correct. So like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I don't know what to expect. I don't know how it's going to go. So I, I'm just kind of trying to like, you know, now my wife, on the other hand, she's, you know, it's all, she, she has no choice. I tell she her. She married a comedian. She married a comedian. And luckily she has a, she does have a great sense of humor. And so she likes it. And like, you know, a lot of people come up to her and they're like, they relate. I always looked at it as like, I didn't really care who related to me. Like sometimes I will be the wife of a, someone, like a wife who will relate to me. Like my wife is the cheap one, which a lot of times stereotypically, it like could be the husband's the cheaper one and the wife is the one that spends it. So it's like, it doesn't really matter who you're going to, you're just two people are going to relate to the relationship. My, you know, wife is the one mowing the yard. I didn't mow the yard. But it's fun when there's a lot of people that come up and like a lot of women that are like, yeah, yeah, I do all the housework. I do. I do. I'm the one who built our shed in the back. Like all this kind of stuff. They like that. You know, it's like they're just that's the kind of person. They're they're, they're the handyman. And my wife is. She's the one that, you know, we have the tools. We have tools because of her. I don't yeah. I, I, there are a touch of tools. I don't yeah. know. Why would we have tools? Like, no, no. That bit's hilarious. The whole water heater bit. It's so funny. And also it kind of casts you as the dum-dum in a nice way. Yeah. yeah. And, so and that's kind of the hero of that story. Yeah. That's what you want is like to like, it's like, it is a lot of stuff. I want to uplift her and just be like, she's the one that's, you know, the only reason we're even this, we're in a house that's working. <laughs> and so it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you, yeah, you just be like, I would just have like, I don't, I don't know what I would have a studio apartment. Like it would be, <laughs> what am I going to have? You don't, I'd have 50 you'd have to hire 30 people just to live here to work because I don't know what to do you know she has five kids and lives in Austin I'm live by myself in Nashville like any day of the week if you go to my apartment it's embarrassing okay all right last question that's it it may be big and it may be small like I might think I know what you're gonna say but maybe I don't so far what's just the coolest thing that's happened to you like in your career specifically where you just kind of go I'm having such a moment right now that I'll just never be able to process this. Like this is unexpected and like incredible. The obvious one's Bridgestone. Bridgestone was the craziest. Cause that was when I, so I started comedy. I would hand out flyers on the corner and I would dream of playing Bridgestone over anywhere else. I just thought about playing Bridgestone. And so to go from that moment to the, then it happening was, I mean, that's the craziest. That's one that's like, you know, I, I don't know if I've yet wrapped my head around it. I heard an interview with Louis C.K. about like when he played the garden a bunch and like when he would play it, he would go down there and just do the garden and then take the train home. Like it was a normal kind of thing. And it never set with him until he went and watched another show there. And then he was able to like be like, I can't believe like I sold, you know, and sometimes you got to have an outside perspective. So that one, I mean, it's still just hard to wrap your head around. I'm trying to think like any. 
I got a call from Adam Sandler once. We lived in a hermitage and uh, I was picking my daughter up at Primrose in Mount Julia. And I'm about to go in, you know, you're just like, just doing your, just picking up your daughter at school. Like, and then I get a call and they're like, is this Nate? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, uh, hold for Adam Sandler. And you're like, what? And then he just called and just said like how much he liked my, he just saw my special and ball, that stuff. And I mean, that was like a pretty, that was like crazy. Cause it's like, then you hang up and you're like, I then go inside and and go back to immediately go back to the most normal situation you could ever go. Yeah, like get in the little pink backpack and that's it. Like I got a thing. I got a five year old that doesn't care that I talked to Adam Sandler. Unimpressed. Uh, unimpressed. Unimpressed means nothing to her. And then you know, and you're just sitting there like, and the whole time you're walking in there, you're just like, I just talked to Adam Sandler. And, totally. You know, there's no reason I would even understand. There's no context to it. There's no. Like, no, I find, so find a way That's, to drop it. No, but I feel that in my bones, yeah. where something crazy will happen, and you have yeah. nobody around to care. Yeah, or nobody like gets that moment. I, yeah. Just really quick about Bridgestone. I just want to say okay. before we go, man. When Nate talks about Bridgestone, I was just there. I saw Matchbox Twenty Bridgestone last yeah. week. I saw John Mayer Bridgestone. Yeah. We were talking about Justin yeah. Timberlake. Yeah, I've seen Jay Z. Oh yeah. Bridgestone is where the Predators play. I remember the night, I was out of town the night you played at Bridgestone, but my phone was blowing up with everybody going, hey, we're going to go see Nate tonight. We're going to go see Nate tonight. You're one, they, they know who you are. It was hometown for you. And it wasn't odd for anybody else because you were exactly where it was you were supposed to be, man. There's just some people that I just love to watch succeed. And I'm just so glad for the success and just, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy, a better guy. So I'm just, we're excited. Keep going. Like we're waiting for the next special. I hope you're working it out. Like I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. No, same deal. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool. It's, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a special thing. Yeah. Good to talk to you all. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Nate. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Great. Hey, to appreciate you, bro. He's the best, you guys, the best. If you go to jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, I will have everything that you want to have about this episode and about Nate. And then I'll have this episode link if you want to share with friends. So I told you we were best friends. I just <laughs> want to go back. Now that there's proof. There's solidified proof. That's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you guys. That is the way to kick off the funny series. We have so many more incredible guests to come. You're going to love this entire series. If you haven't already subscribed, do it. And then you'll never miss an episode. It just shows up like magic, like right in your AirPods. So I love this one and I love next week's too. So thanks for being here. Thanks for subscribing. We love you guys. See you next week. <laughs>